All right, let's get to it. Playing politics with the Star Tribune editorial board. John Rash and Scott Gillespie are here. All right, John, let me start with you. When the news broke yesterday, later in the day in the evening, that Robert Mueller has agreed to testify to two separate committees, July 17th, what was your reaction? That Mr. Mueller has said he isn't going to say anything new, but the fact that he's going to be testifying in front of Congress and reflecting his report may be the first time that many Americans have really focused and paid attention to what he specifically said. Yep. Quite clearly, he was frustrated that the narrative was stolen, as he perceived it, by both President Trump and by the Attorney General, and he had specifically put together the executive summaries per section here so it could be easily digestible by the public and be able to be published by the press with very few if no redactions. The fact that that wasn't done in because of the way that the attorney general dealt with the report, this is his chance, even if he doesn't say anything beyond what he's written, mm-hmm. to get it in front of the American people. Just picking up on that, Scott, because John's 100 percent right. He said when he spoke for, what, about 10 minutes – um, my testimony is this report. I won't add anything new. Clearly, Democrats are going to push on talk about obstruction. Would you have charged the president if we didn't have the Justice Department policy? Republicans are going to go back to how this all started on Papadopoulos, Dossier, Strzok, Page, our are we going to glean new important pieces of information? I, I don't think so. Just because I think Mueller will be an extremely careful, controlled witness, not somebody who's obviously easily rattled. He's been through these uh, types of hearings before. He's also uh, said, I don't want to say more than, than what I've already said. So I don't think he's going to be particularly forthcoming with opinions. That said, I think the, the one of the, impacts will be he'll be able to tell the American people uh, why it's imp- why the report's important, why the investigation was important, and also I think he'll be able to, to some extent, um, uh, deflect the criticism that it was done illegally or improperly. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I guess I would amplify that in terms of even if he sticks to what he has written, the way that most Americans get their news – still continues to be television and radio yeah. and, and different electronic methods there. And, and, of course, and the ones that they want to go to, to to get the information that they want to hear. Absolutely. So some Democrats, if they aren't able to get him to express more of an opinion, may ask him to simply recap what he has written to the degree that he does that, and it's from his own authoritative voice, and it leads the news narrative that will give more Americans a sense of his perspective on what actually happened during the early aspect of the Trump administration, and that may amplify calls within Congress to begin impeachment hearings. Scott, let's switch because it's just such a busy time here. Let's try to get to a number of items to the, the migrant crisis with the kids. On, on this show, I had a fantastic guest a couple of days ago with a professor who was, who was down in Clint, Texas for multiple days, and it was harrowing listening to her describe the squalor the horrific conditions that these poor kids are living in. Later that day, 300 were removed. Then the next day, 100 were brought back. Now, to add to it, we have this photo of the father and daughter 
who were crossing the Rio Grande made it the first time. Then the father was going back to get his wife. The child followed, and they drowned, and and they died. And it just brought up the story again. What what is your view on where it is right now? We just had the House pass a bill. They were very concerned on how the president might use the money. The president, some reports are saying he may veto this. I mean, there's a lot there. Where do you want, where do you want to jump in? Well, on the photo, I think it's important that we remember, uh, in addition to the power of the photograph, that these, these, these are two people with names. And I'm going to say their names. Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez died with his 23-month-old daughter, Valeria. Yeah. Uh, I hope all Americans think about that. Think about the those names. I hope Valeria, in particular, becomes a poster. Unfortunately, a poster child for this crisis and for the the horror that's unfolded down on the border. It's wrong. It's unconscionable. This is the richest country in America. We can do better than this. We should do better than this. I think there's there are some glimmers of hope, as you said, Chad. The House passed a bill, four point five billion. The Senate passed a bill through appropriations, 4.6. The main difference is the House bill includes more provisions to protect kids and to ensure that they're held safely and, and in good health. The uh, Senate bill does does add some care for kids and for adults, but it, it also uh, spends a fair amount of money on uh, additional enforcement. So if they can put the political gamesmanship aside, there's room there to reach a compromise where they take care of these kids who are sick, who are uh, sleeping on concrete, uh, being taken care of by their teenage siblings. No soap, no showers, bathrooms in the middle, No people, John, watching them who have no ability, no training in supervision, numbers not even close, numbers that are overwhelming. What what do, you, what do you think about the decision by the papers to run or not run the photo? Because there's been a debate about that. I think the photo is very strong, and I think as horrific as it is, it does tell the story. And in the same way that the photo of three-year-old alien Kurdi, the young Syrian boy who washed ashore in Turkey, told the story about the Mediterranean migration crisis far more than volumes of reports could at that point – I think that it gets people's attention. I concur with my colleague Scott in terms of the importance of the names and that these are humans. And I would add to that that where they are from is crucial to this story as well. They're Salvadorans. And so much of the discussion is about Capitol Hill and the White House or the border or Washington and Mexico City and the ongoing challenges between the two presidents there. The central heart of this crisis is Central America itself. Mm -hmm. And I think that the sooner that Americans, Mexicans, Republicans, Democrats, everyone who is weighing in on this can look at what's happening in Central America and try to figure out a long-term way to deal with the endemic violence that's taking place there and the building climate crisis, which is driving a lot of people north as well, the sooner that we'll be able to get some kind of handle on this on this problem. Well, and let's not forget, Scott, the president, um, curly, curly frustrated by this, decided these three countries, we normally are giving you $500 million to punish you. We're taking that away. 
when to me, if he wants more people to stay, more people to have an opportunity to avoid this violence, to deal with climate change, to avoid poverty that is hard for most people in this country to fathom, you continue to send that money to allow them to potentially prosper as opposed to making the conditions worse, which is going to cause more people to take a chance to try to travel this far. That's right. Uh, we, we do need to help with, with uh, building economies uh, in Central America. Uh, it's very complicated. The Obama administration tried to do that, yet there, were, there was still a migrant flow toward the United sure. States then. So, uh, but you're right. We, taking uh, the money away just, just puts them in an even more difficult situation and prompts more people to, to try to seek uh, a better life in America. John, let's switch to the two nights of debates for the Democrats. Amy Klobuchar is a part of night one, along with the perceived headliner that night is Elizabeth Warren, who's had a very good three-month stretch here with specific policies, including a poll that came out the other day from moveon.org, showing her with a rather significant lead on Bernie Sanders. The second night is the leader right now, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris. That's viewed as more the headline night. What are you most looking forward to watching? What are what are the, the benchmark moments for us to see if anything significant will come out of these four hours? Substance from politicians and from journalists. And I hope that some very specific questions are asked. I think it's quite notable that these debates take place just on the eve of the G20 summit of the leaders of the 20 industrial uh, biggest in- industrial countries in the world, and so many issues roiling um, geopolitics right now, I think that it's important that the Democratic candidates are asked what they will do if indeed they're able to become the nominee, defeat President Trump with some of these issues, as well as the long litany of issues that are really concerning voters throughout the country, health care as an example, and of course the uh, border crisis that we just mentioned as well. So I hope that journalists who from NBC who are asking the questions are specific and press for answers and try to tamp down this talk of that candidates need a viral moment or they need to say something. A viral moment may work with two really well-established candidates mm-hmm. who are able to change perceptions or change the perception of the other candidate. Of these 20, my sense is for most Americans, 15 are relatively unknown. And so I I don't think the strategy should be to do something that surprises people virally. It's to introduce yourself and establish the competence that you should have to run for president in the United States. What do you think, Scott? Well, I'm anxious to see if anybody blows it. Uh, We typically have uh, some gaffes uh, at this stage of the process, some debate gaffes that lead to people uh, imploding. And uh, you might remember Rick Perry, who couldn't remember the name of the agency that he wanted to uh, to uh, close when he mm-hmm. was debating. Great irony in, in political uh, news, of course, is that he now heads that same a- a- a Department you of Energy. You can't make who, that up. You really can't. <laughs> so um, with a field this big, the largest presidential field we've had with 24 candidates, 20 who are debating, really going to be interesting to see who sifts out, who washes out. And it could be yep. because of a mistake of a gaffe tonight or tomorrow night. I agree with Scott, John, but I think that I get it because I chuckled over the Perry moment. I'm still chuckling over the Perry moment. I I do think 
that all of us need to, to judge more of the totality, whether, I mean, there's both parties here too, versus that one seven-second moment. But in this era that we live in right now, I, I don't know if people can overcome if it's that sort of gaff. You question their 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 chops, their intelligence, and how they would handle something they can't, you know, cite whatever it might be. Well, a gaff usually occurs when it amplifies a predisposition one has about a candidate. And and with Secretary Perry as an example, you know, he was in true Texas terms because he was governor there, kind of all hat and no cattle was was his perception in the press, and he yeah. proved it by not being able to remember, you know, the very point that that he was trying to, to press there, and so. I think that to the degree that that does become a viral moment, if if a candidate similarly has one of these moments in these upcoming debates, if it says something about him or her in terms of their perceived weakness in the field, maybe it'll have more legs. But I just think that with the serious issues surrounding the presidency and, and the world right now, I hope that those who are trying to make themselves known do it because people are able to look at them and say, I don't know much about that candidate, but boy, I want to find out more because yeah. he or she really came across quite competently and quite confidently in terms of being able to express that. That should be the viral moment they should push for. And last thing, Scott, like 30 seconds. How are people are going to try to get a little bit more time? I think it'll be interesting to watch. Right. I think so, too. And, and then how much they talk about Trump and how much they attack each other. Yeah. Or the front runners. Right. Uh, very interesting to see how that plays out uh, both nights and uh, maybe – Friday morning when we wake up and think about both debates, you know, then you start to see some themes that emerge and also the candidates who are going to surface. Gentlemen, thanks very much. Thank you. John Rash and Scott Gillespie from the Star Tribune editorial board. It's 153. That is the Lindis Construction Time Check. Time to call us for free home improvement estimate on your windows and insulation.